Welcome to the Embassy Pod. I'm your host, Sambo, and together with the team at the U.S. Embassy of Lambatar, we're pleased to present the third episode of our official podcast series in Malawi. Through this series, we're bringing you conversations with the people in our embassy and the American community who live, study, or work here to share their stories. Our theme for this episode is environment. A huge part of our embassy's work focuses on environmental issues, and one of the most prominent projects that we have that focuses on the environment is the second compact of the Millennium Challenge Corporation. If you've visited any of our social media channels or the website in the past week, you must have seen that we're very excited about the MCC Water Compact. Simply put, it's a large-scale project to tackle the impending water crisis in Ulaanbaatar and secures its water supply for the city's future generation. And to implement this massive project, many people from both the United States and Mongolia have come together to make sure the work gets done and is done right. One of those people is Alex Russin. He's the resident country director of MCC Mongolia, and according to his LinkedIn profile, he is responsible for the overall delivery of the $350 million water compact, which includes program negotiation, implementation entity oversight, resource allocation, a donor coordination, and many, many more things we hope to ask him about today. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Sambo, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. It is absolutely my pleasure to be speaking with you here today. Happy to have you. Um, I think it is safe to say that most Mongolians have at least heard the name Millennium Challenge Corporation or MCC because of the first compact that was implemented between 2008 and 2013. But how do you uh, explain what the MCC is and what it does to an average Joe like me in the most simplest of terms? So Sambo, the Millennium Challenge Corporation is really part of the U.S. government. Uh, it was started uh, in 2004 when the U.S. was trying to figure out how to be more effective in providing uh, grant assistance to countries around the world. And one of the key aspects of the Millennium Challenge Corporation's model is that we look for countries that are already helping themselves. And by that, I mean um, countries that have demonstrated that they've got good governance, that they're supporting their people, and that they've got good economic policies. So every year, the Millennium Challenge Corporation reviews about 80 different countries around the world and compares them to each other in these three categories. And the two or three countries that are uh, at the highest level are the ones that are then essentially selected for the possibility of having a very large grant. In the case of Mongolia, it's a grant of $350 million over the course of five years. And the fundamental um, goal of that grant is to provide the country with some aspect of its economic development that will encourage the creation of a new path to economic growth. So specifically in Mongolia, uh, a couple years back when we started working with the Mongolian government and its team of experts, 
we were looking to figure out the answer to the question, um, what is it that is going to possibly limit the economic growth of Mongolia? Now, there are many things, but the economic idea that was developed was the importance of making sure that Ulaanbaatar had sufficient water for its future generations. Now, the city has been growing tremendously for the last uh, three decades. And the reality is that while today, when you turn on your faucet, you do get water out of the system, in just a couple years, it's predicted that if the city continues to grow at its current pace, it will no longer be possible for everybody in the city to have water. And eventually, if nothing is done, the entire city would go through a sort of water shortage and crisis, which would inhibit the economic growth and impact uh, the country quite dramatically. So it's precisely having identified that problem that the Mongolian government, in cooperation with the MCC, decided that what they should do with this grant funding is find a new source of water and to make sure that that new source of water clean was cleaned and was delivered to the city so that in time uh, the city could grow and the population could continue to have water. So the program here will ultimately benefit all of the citizens and businesses of Ulaanbaatar. I see. Thank you for that. So we see a lot of positive comments and messages of gratitude for the compact on our social channels, as you know. But there are also many people who want to know more. And one of the most common interests of the public is about the people behind this important initiative, because in a way, their city's future is in their hands. You've taken on this massive five-year project to help resolve some of the most pressing challenges in our city. It's obviously a huge commitment. But looking at your past experiences, it's neither the first MCC compact you've been in charge of, nor will it be the longest. Can you talk about how you've decided to join the MCC in the first place and why you've chosen to come to Mongolia for this challenge? Sure. Yeah, let me first start by saying that uh, I believe strongly that um, development in any country doesn't happen unless you have a strong partnership between the entity that's providing the funding and the country that's benefiting. So part of the MCC model that I have been attracted to is the strong commitment to partnership. And when I talk about the MCC providing funding for this water project, I also have to include the fact that the government of Mongolia has committed an additional $112 million to the project, demonstrating its clear partnership and the, and the importance that it gives to the project as well. And when we implement a project like the one in Mongolia, the work is being done fundamentally by Mongolians, uh, an excellent team of Mongolians that I work with every day, um, led by the CEO Sodontokos and overseen by a board of directors um, that is managed uh, and led by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and its representatives, uh, Minister Batsetseg and Deputy Minister uh, Munchen. And it, it's really that partnership and that strong cooperation that uh, originally attracted me to working with the Millennium Challenge Corporation. Uh, 
Now, as you mentioned, th this is not my first compact. Um, I started back in 2005 working on a project uh, that was also water-based in the country of Armenia. And there the problem was essentially that farmers were not able to receive the water for irrigation that they needed in order to grow their crops. So we implemented a, a compact there with the Armenian government that increased the number of canals and uh, ways in which water was uh, taken from the urban areas into, into the countryside so that it could be used for agriculture. And then in 2011, I started working on a compact that we did in the country of Jordan. And uh, for seven years, uh, including the, the five years of implementation, we were working on a massive wastewater project that was providing water uh, or cleaning the water of the city of Amman and then providing uh, clean water for uh, irrigation as well. So I guess you could say that uh, uh, I've spent my career with the Millennium Challenge Corporation focused on water and wastewater. And um, for better or for worse, it has taken me to some of the most uh, spectacular countries that I could think of. Awesome. When did you come to Mongolia? I arrived in Mongolia just about two years ago in um, February of 2019. I see. What was your first impression of it? And has it changed since? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think when you've never been to Mongolia um, and you've only heard about how cold it is, the first impression I had was, boy, I better buy myself the best coat that money can buy. <laughs> um, buy some fantastic boots, uh, a really great hat, super duper gloves. And when I arrived in February, I was not disappointed. It was cold and dark and <laughs> scary. And I remember distinctly thinking, my goodness, what have I come into? This place is just freezing. And I thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to survive here. And then I realized that Mongolia not only is um, full of clear blue skies out in the countryside, even when it's freezing cold, but it has one of the most spectacular summers that I have ever seen. So uh, it, it is weird, but you know, psychologically, I, I had not even thought that there would be a summer because all I heard about was cold <laughs> winters in Mongolia. And, and then right. uh, then summer did come. And I must say it was uh, it, spectacular. I'm Looking forward to this year's summer, anxiously. We both are. So the MCC Compact is obviously a collaborative effort between multiple entities. And I understand you have many Mongolian colleagues and counterparts in both the MCC and the MCA and the Mongolian government. How would you describe Mongolian people? Oh my gosh. I, first of all, I, Mongolian people are incredibly warm and passionate. Um, I have felt absolutely welcomed since I arrived in the country. There is um, a sense of pride as well. The more I'm here, the more I realize that uh, even though when I was growing up, uh, I didn't know a lot about this part of the world, the, the fact is that the Mongolian history goes back for generations and millennia. And I, 
just being here and being able to go to places like Kharkhoran and visit uh, the historical sites um, of uh, the city of Ulaanbaatar has has and and learning more about uh, Buddhism and those aspects of the country have really helped me realize just how much more um, I have to learn about and, and how grateful I am to be able to sort of see this culture live. Um, I also, I think the one experience I had before coming here was really understanding a little bit about uh, the eagle hunters. Um, I, uh, my my yes. arrival here coincided with the popularity of uh, the eagle huntress movie, which I had seen. And ah. I actually had a chance to go out to Bayanogi and visit uh, with some of the eagle hunter families that live at the foothills of the mountains and, and to see the festival, uh, which was not only uh, impressive from the standpoint of the beautiful landscape, but also something that uh, I'll never forget because of the, the warmth of the Mongolian population there as well. Awesome. I'm glad that you were able to do that. Were you able to meet the Eagle Huntress herself? You know, I stayed with her uncle and I met her father. Oh, wow. But uh, the Eagle Huntress herself was uh, doing what every 19-year-old person should be doing. She was at university studying to make sure she got a proper education. So she wasn't there at that particular event. Wow. That's yeah. quite the story. So I think one of the most frequently asked questions about the MCC is actually the, the names, the difference between the MCC and the MCA. And can you talk about the, the different roles that they have in the compact? Sure, yeah, I, the, the names are complicated, but uh, I think of it as this. So the MCA is sort of the A team. That's the country team that does all of the work. This is a team of about 45 Mongolians that have been carefully selected um, through an independent, transparent uh, employment process, and they are divided up into a form of company. Um, so they have uh, a leader um, who is the chief executive officer, uh, Sodon Tokos, a good friend of mine, and um, they have a series of directors who are responsible for different aspects of the program, not just the infrastructure, but also the policies that are being implemented, the importance of of environmental aspects of the program, the social aspects of the program, the gender aspects of the program. So the, the core behind uh, the MCA is the fact that they are the country's team members that are actually um, implementing the program. And we believe at the MCC, which is the US government administrative side that having the country team implement the program is the most effective way of getting uh, a large infrastructure project done in an only a five-year period. Because uh, the, the team at the MCA truly believes passionately that what they're doing is critical to the survival of the city of Ulaanbaatar. They understand fundamentally and uh, we're all chosen because they believe that water is key to the future. And they are motivated um, not just by uh, their jobs, but also by their hearts to make sure that this program is implemented transparently and effectively. Now, on the 
government side, on the MCC side, uh, we have a relatively small office here based at the US Embassy. And what our role is essentially is to make sure that we support our partners at the MCA with technical um, and procedural experience. And importantly, that we keep a close eye on the fact uh, that there is always the potential that a program could be subject to fraud or corruption or just improper management. And so we, we look closely at those issues as well to make sure that the grant investment uh, is well managed and goes to building the program as it should be. Gotcha. Earlier this month, you are Ambassador Ambassador Kulcheski, Mongolian Minister of Foreign Affairs, and other representatives from the Mongolian government marked the compact's entry into force. What does that mean? Oh, I know. Entry into force. It's kind of one of those boring legal terms, um, but it's, a, it, it, it's very important. So we often talk about the Millennium Challenge model as being one where we provide aid or grant money to countries, but we provide aid with accountability. So what I mean is that when Mongolia and the United States decided that they wanted to use the grant funding and their own contributions to build a new source of water for Ulaanbaatar, we also took on board the fact that it's important when you build something to make sure that that infrastructure is sustainable and that it is designed in such a way that the um, long-term uh, operations and maintenance of that is clearly laid out and can be effectively um, guaranteed for the next 20 or 30 years. So what happens prior to the entry into force is that the government must implement a series of uh, uh, agreed policies and procedures. And in this case, for example, the government created um, a new series of programs that will ensure that the water utility is properly um, financed and the water utility has proper training. So here, for example, what we were looking for is for once the infrastructure and the water wells are built, it is really going to be the division of the Mongolian uh, city uh, municipality um, called Usug, which is going to be with its people operating and maintaining the new facility. So there are requirements in the compact that uh, the government must meet so that Usug has sufficient funding to operate the utility in the long term. Another example of something that the government had to commit to prior to um, this entry into force was the fact that um, we want to work with the government to make sure that industries that are perhaps currently not able to fully treat their wastewater um, for example, uh, restaurants or um, factories that simply have polluted water, we don't want them to 
dump that water into the sewage system without being treated properly. So there's another requirement that involves uh, having the government institute policies that will help prevent and help clean that water from the private sector before it goes into um, into the sewage system. So these are complicated um, uh, agreements and policies. They all had to be worked out prior to uh, the official entry into force of the compact. So looking into the future, as you said, five years, five years from now, what would you consider as a successful compact? What are the key ingredients of a successful implementation in your opinion? And what help do you actually need from both the Mongolian government and the Mongolian people? That's a great question. So let me just briefly describe for people, Sambo, what it is that we're we're building. So it right. is three different activities and two major pieces of infrastructure. So we talk about this as providing an additional 80% more water for the city of Ulaanbaatar. What that really means is that um, Ulaanbaatar needs a new source of water. And so we are building approximately 30 new wells south of the city that will be connected to a water purification plant. The wells are going to be located more or less in the Biokombinat and the Sukumvit regions. And the water that comes from those wells will be piped up to a uh, facility that'll be located somewhere just outside the city of Ulaanbaatar. And they're using um, very high-tech technology, including things such as reverse osmosis. The water will be cleaned to drinking water quality and then further piped to the um, water utilities main uh, receiving stations uh, operated by uh, Usug. So that is one aspect of the infrastructure. A second aspect is that Mongolia has to continue to think about recycling its water. And the city is already building a brand new wastewater treatment plant which will be constructed, I hope, and finished in the next few years. And we are building a secondary facility that will take some of the water that has been cleaned by that facility and use that water to cool and heat down the combined heating facilities, um, which are often referred to, referred to as power plant three and four, in order to be able to allow those uh, facilities to stop using drinking water for their processes. And that way they can use uh, water uh, for their technical, um, technical processes. And um, they, the city will then have access to the drinking water that was once used by those heating facilities for uh, its use in uh, taking to the different uh, businesses and population. There's a third aspect of the compact, which is working closely with the water utility, supporting USUG, its capacity, and providing them technical assistance. So all of those are aspects of the compact that five years from now, if everything is successful, I would really see as having been fully completed. 
But to sort of put some icing on the cake, I would say that it's not just about building the infrastructure, it's about making sure that Mongolia has the capacity to operate these new facilities. So we're working very carefully already with the water utility to begin the process of selecting uh, employees that will be operating these new facilities, increasing their training, and ultimately making sure that the country is not just um, uh, being given a new water system, but that actually knows how to run it and optimize it. So I see this as um, solving many of the water issues, but also bringing new technology and new knowledge into the water sector. Understood. So what, what help do you need from the Mongolian people? I should say that question in reverse. Um, it's really the Mongolian people that are helping themselves. Um, this is, as I said, the whole point of the MCC model is to offer this funding opportunity and to let the uh, Mongolian side figure out how to implement the program. And that is the team that I had described uh, previously. Um, the, the, the Mongolian people who are the consumers of water um, they need to understand, as we all do, frankly, that water is a precious resource and that we need to be very careful about the way we consume water um, sparingly. And we need to find ways of making sure that as we in, run businesses, we don't just dump dirty water um, into the river system, um, but we continue to, f to, to really care about making sure that we're treating the water um, as the precious resource that it really is. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think you've provided our audience with a very good introduction. Um, if I understood correctly, I think um, you said that we need Mongolian people to care about this project and help us raise awareness and support the efforts. Am I right? You are absolutely right. Okay, so where can people get more information about this project then? Oh, I think that uh, at, at two levels. Um, we, as you know, are working closely with many different partners in Mongolia. Um, I mentioned briefly that the Mongolian side has a board of directors, and that board of directors is uh, led by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. But we also work with many of the other key ministries. So for example, uh, at the board of directors, there are representatives of the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of Construction and Urban Development, the Ministry of Environment and Tourism, the Ministry of Energy, and of course, the city. And that board of directors also includes members of civil society. So we have representatives from uh, democratic foundations such as the Zorik Foundation. We have representatives from universities uh, and professional water representatives, as well as from the Mongolian Chamber of Commerce. So there is already a large group of professional stakeholders directly involved and anyone who is involved with those organizations um, should be receiving information through their uh, board representatives about the work that we're doing on a regular basis. And of course, uh, if anybody wants to learn more about uh, the details of this program, I think uh, 
MCA Mongolia has really one of the best websites I have seen from any of the MCA programs that I've worked with. Uh, that website is mca-mongolia.gov.mn. And also, if you want to get the view of not just Mongolia, but other compacts that have been done by the Millennium Challenge Corporation, you can go to the MCC's website, which is mcc.gov. And finally, uh, and I think most interestingly, um, the U.S. Embassy has just released on its own Facebook page a series of four uh, one-minute videos that help outline some of the key aspects of the program, in particular, underscoring the importance of water in the environment and water in the economy and water in terms of hygiene. And lastly, an explanation of how the MCC Mongolia program was originally created. And all of those are available on the embassy uh, Facebook website. Got it. Thank you. So um, I think our audience got a very good introduction from what you said. I, I want to learn a bit more about you, if you agree. Um, what are you most proud of as the MCC Mongolia country director? And uh, what was the biggest wow moment for you so far, if there was any? What I enjoy most about my job is that there's always a new surprise every day. Um, generally, it's a pleasant surprise. Um, most recently, I think I was incredibly impressed with the way MCA Mongolia and its government helped celebrate the recent entry into force event. You know, in an environment where we're stuck online and people are not able to get together, the Mongolian team came up with this very creative way of signing a calligraphy statement that really resembled um, and symbolized the importance of water. Um, it's, it's difficult to describe, but what you can see if you watch one of the videos is how so many different stakeholders were able to um, take this calligraphy statement, which says, water sustains life, and trust builds friendship, and sign the statement and really feel the importance of what we're all trying to do. That was a, a very well done uh, event, and I think I hope that some people will have a chance to, to view it um, on a, the video that's been released. That was very interesting and educational to me. Uh, I certainly hope it was the same for our audience. I'd say you've earned some casual questions. I understand you are into outdoor adventures and tennis. Have you had any chance to explore Mongolia and play tennis? Wow. Yeah. Well, there are two separate points for me. I think that I, as an outdoor uh, person, I've been absolutely stunned by the beauty of uh, and the opportunity that Mongolia offers. I've, I'm a regular hiker. I love going to places like uh, Bogd Khan. Um, I have been hiking close to the city also in places like Iktingir, um, in Songon Kherkhan. Um, but I've also gotten further away and 
taken trips to Bayan Ogi, as I mentioned earlier, to visit some of the eagle hunters. Uh, the Gobi is spectacular. Um, and um, I think you have here one of the most beautiful parks that I've ever been to, uh, Terrells, which really gives those of us who are not from Mongolia a chance to appreciate just how beautiful the countryside is. Uh, and and like you said, uh, I am an avid tennis player. Um, I have uh, struggled to find uh, enough tennis courts uh, to play at, but um, during the summer months, I do get out and I've got a couple Mongolian colleagues that play tennis with nice. me. Uh, so that's quite fun. And um, it, uh, I think tennis is a, is a, is a great way to um, uh, get exercise and be competitive. I actually heard from someone that you've taught tennis to one of the embassy families. Is that true? Well, yes, that's true. I do enjoy teaching when I can. Um, I, I think that tennis, like anything, it just involves encouraging people to have a little bit of confidence, uh, pointing people in the right direction. Um, most people pick up the game very easily. Um, and I'm always pleased when, when people are... Uh, uh, able to learn and 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 hopefully become my partners when I teach them well enough to play with me. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, do you have any other hobbies? Uh, how have you actually passed the time during the lockdown? Well, the lockdown has been a challenge for me as 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 I'm sure it has been for everybody. I'm just dying to be able to get out and spend more time outside. Um, when I came back to the country, unfortunately, I I thought. I came back in October after being away, uh, and I thought I'd be released uh, relatively quickly, but unfortunately we had five weeks of quarantine and then uh, the city was closed down. So I guess I've spent, like everybody, too much time watching television, reading books, uh, eating too much, uh, and generally trying to spend some time reading and trying to uh, think positively about the days that we'll be able to get outside. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure you're sick of these Zoom calls. So I think we'll wrap it up. And to wrap it up, we'll, we'll do a rapid fire round where you actually have to answer simple questions as fast as you can. The key here is that you have to go with the first thought that comes to your mind. Ready? Okay. Ready. Okay. Favorite Mongolian dish? Buns. Favorite kind of music? Jazz. Coffee or tea? Definitely coffee. Beach vacation or city vacation? Beach vacation. Favorite book? Oh, it's always a tough one. Um, you know, I think it would have to be a book called A Hundred Years of Solitude, which was written by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, and it is a, a fantasy story of what life is like if um, you don't have hope. And I particularly appreciate it because it encourages people to stay optimistic. And I read it in Spanish um, because I grew up in the Dominican Republic and, and speak fluent Spanish, which um, I thought was actually going to be uh, not particularly useful in Mongolia. But believe it or not, I have met many people who speak Spanish here. And there's even a series of restaurants that I like going to where you can get Cuban food or Peruvian food or Spanish food. So... Um, yeah, Ulaanbaatar has been full of pleasant surprises. Awesome. I can see that you're passionate about the book from all the details you've given. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, what Mongolian animals have you written? 
I guess the most memorable one was uh, the Bactrian camel. Um, I brought my family here and we had lived in Jordan, as I mentioned, for a while. And they were so delighted to uh, ride the camel because in Jordan, the camels have one hump and you have to sit on the very top and it's a little scary. In Mongolia, the camels have two humps and you get to sit right in between. And it's <laughs> so much more comfortable. It's like riding a, uh, on a camel with a sofa on top. It really is beautiful. I think most people would agree with that statement. Um, favorite sport? Oh, I know. It's tennis, right? Favorite athlete then? My favorite athlete, um, I would have to say it is a tennis player. So I like Jimmy Connors and Roger Federer more recently. Um, I think tennis is just a, a great way to stay in shape. And they say that tennis athletes are often the strongest athletes out there. Uh, I'd have to say maybe the Mongolian wrestlers are even stronger, but uh, it, it's a tie between the two. <laughs> That's big respect. Okay. Um, name three places on your Mongolian bucket list. I think I still want to get to Hovsko Lake for sure. And I would like to be able to go out east where I know much of the history of Genghis Khan took place. Um, and then as for a third one, I, I still want to explore more of the beauty of, uh, of Ulaanbaatar. I've, I've gone to several places, uh, the Buddhist temples, but I don't think I've spent enough time here uh, at the museums. And that's, I think, a priority for me. Um, and as soon as the opera is able to open up again, you'll be sure to see me there on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, awesome. I was going to ask you the first thing you'll do once the pandemic is over, but... I got my answer. Great. <laughs> awesome. That's it. That was fun. Um, I hope you will get to go to the Oprah house and, and watch whatever you want. Um, thank you so much for taking the time and being our guest on our podcast. Sabo, this is a, a real pleasure. Um, and the two years that I have spent here have been delightful. And I look forward to spending many more years exploring the country and making sure that this Millennium Challenge account water compact is really the success that we uh, are all sure it will be. I'd like to give huge thanks to Alex for agreeing to be our guest. Now, let's hear from some of our friends and colleagues on a segment we call The Best News We've Had Recently, The Environment Edition. Hi, this is Rob Tate, the Public Affairs Officer of the U.S. Embassy. And the best news that I've had recently is that I've become a co-chair of the Embassy's Green Team, the Green Team helps the Embassy become a more responsible, low-impact, energy-efficient member of our community and helps to create a more healthy and environmentally friendly work environment for all of our staff. The Green Team, which includes both American and Mongolian staff, works very closely with our facilities office and has already made a big difference. Just a few of the projects we've worked on together include instituting a recycling program, providing reusable cotton shopping bags for our staff, planting trees both around the embassy and in other neighborhoods across the city, offering quality reusable face masks, providing air filtration both in our offices and at homes for staff, and helping make all of our buildings as energy efficient as possible. Happy Earth Day, everyone. Hi, I'm Daria, the Environment Science, Technology and Health Assistant at the U.S. Embassy. 
The best news I have had recently is that the United States has rejoined the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. This is especially great news to me, as Mongolia is one of the hardest hit countries with climate change, and I look forward to helping strengthen the United States-Mongolian efforts to combat climate change together. Hello, my name is Tugultur Institut. I am a Humphrey Fellow of 2018 to 2019. The best news I have had recently is I started my own podcast called The Connection Podcast. The purpose of my podcast is to promote science, conservation, and education to the public. Since the beginning, it has produced a total of 19 episodes, such as indoor air quality, bird migration, sustainable fishing, and forest gardening concept in the gear district areas, so on. Each episode reached an average of 7,000 to 20,000 people. Uh, podcasting is my contribution to educating people in our society. The Public Affairs Section at the U.S. Embassy is accepting applications for Worldwide Foreign Student Program funded by the government of Mongolia that enables young professionals to pursue master's level studies in the United States in a variety of fields, including environmental studies and environmental protection technology. Interested applicants can submit their applications online till 8.30 a.m. on Monday, May 24th in Ulaanbaatar time. For more details on the program requirements, please visit our website at mn.usembassy.gov. That's it from us today. Thanks to our listeners for supporting our news project and sticking with us until the end. If you liked this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. Please write to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at USEMB Mongolia. And of course, if you'd like to learn about all the exchange, scholarship, and other public programs that the embassy has to offer, please visit our website at mn.usembassy.gov. Please wear masks, wash your hands, keep social distancing, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Embassy Pod.